preachers have spent longer on verses before, but uh, it's been great to look at this verse in detail. And we're looking at the, the last part of this verse uh, this morning. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And of course, that leads from live in peace. Um, so we've looked at rejoice. Uh, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Uh, we've looked at striving for full restoration and uh, seeking to become mature. Uh, we've looked at the need to encourage one another. Uh, we looked last week at the need to be of one mind, to focus on the things that really matter. And we're going to look now about living in peace and then the promise and the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this verse um, for the last time for a while, Lord, we pray that you would bring home to us what we've learned already and help us, Lord, to grasp new things, that you would help us to get to know you better and to live for you and to be people that are showing your love and your peace, Lord, in this world. So please speak to us now, teach us, we pray, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you keep your Bibles open at uh, 2 Corinthians 13, that'd be fantastic. There'll be some other verses coming up on, on the screen. Uh, just very quick uh, reminders, we've got the um, Fernwood Outreach team, and it looks like we'll be meeting tomorrow evening. I'll send out a, a zoom invite to all those who've expressed an interest in being part of that team so there's still a chance if you haven't yet um, um, let me know then please do um, I think it'll be around about half past seven uh, seven forty-five uh, tomorrow evening uh, so that's that's that and uh, there was something else that was in mind but I've forgotten oh yes the other thing is children as we go through the uh, the meeting this morning you'll see on the powerpoint uh, notes individual notes I want you to count up all the individual notes and let me know how many there are uh, as we go through the slides. So that's something for you to, to look out for children and adults too as well, of course, but uh, <laughs> great. So let's uh, move on to the next slide. Here we are. So the first thing heading is about a beautiful choreography, a beautiful choreography. Now, what does it mean to live in peace? What does it mean to live in peace? That's the title. What does it actually mean? Though? Is it really much different from being of one mind, as we looked at last week? It does sound similar, but it actually follows on from it, because if we agree on all that really matters, if we do live with one mind or seeking to have one mind about the things that really matter, then that will result in peace. It follows on from it. Peace, and of course, is not simply a nice feeling about each other. Peace is not simply a nice feeling. But it's far more practical than that. And uh, that's something very important. Now, I want you to imagine that we all meet up, hopefully one day, back in the village hall there in Fernwood. And we all walk around the hall as we kind of make our way. And we don't pay any attention to each other. Uh, we almost keep our eyes closed as we go around the hall. And we're going at our own speed. Some walk fast, some walk slow. But we keep in the same direction that we started with. And we're not moving to avoid avoid anybody. We just keep on plowing through. Let me ask you, what would be the result? I think you know the answer. The result would be chaos and bruises, chaos and bruises. If we just walk around the hall uh, without any care for one another. Now, if we enter the room, let's start again. We've got music if you want to. And uh, we all walk around and we keep our eyes open this time. We slow down for the toddlers. We slow down for the elderly. We move out of the way of people heading straight for us. 
and uh, we were careful. We might do a, a dosy do as we pass people by and shake hands as we pass by. We all move around the room at different paces, but we're making allowances for each other and uh, we, we care for each other. Now, what would be the result in that case? Well, it might look rather strange because we've never actually done that before, have we? <laughs> but the result is that no one gets hurt and it could even be fun, especially if the music's nice. So as it says in Hebrews 12, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. So that's the idea of living in peace, that we are caring for each other, looking out for each other, making allowances for each other, adjusting our pace for each other, caring for each other. And we all do it to the music of the worship of God. Living in peace with each other is not playing it safe at any cost, as if we're all standing around the sides of the hall, kind of scared of each other, too risky to move just in case we might bump into someone. It's not playing it safe at any cost. Peace involves movement. It involves interaction around the place, doing things together, sharing life together, fellowshipping together in the real world. But rather than doing it all at our own pace, selfishly, how we prefer, we make allowances for each other. We speed up or slow down for each other around the hall. We, we move a little to the left, a little to the right. We avoid unnecessary bumps and hurts. And especially if we're moving to the, the music of the worship of God. Now, I, I'm using this image here, but I'm a kind of a dancer-phobe. So uh, uh, I'm definitely a dad dancer. But um, if I was to try that. But there's something beautiful about this. Something beautiful about the choreography of Christians living in peace with another our times together become a beautiful choreography even the dad dancing <laughs> now all churches have rocky times don't they and that's because we're a bunch of sinners saved by grace we forget at times or we neglect we behave rashly we, we bump into each other we hurt each other at times and difficult times should not surprise us challenges to our single-mindedness and peace should not be unexpected but if we hold tight through those storms and we hold to the aim of one mind and living in peace with each other, then we will get through and keep together. We can because God has told us to do it this way, to be of one mind and to live in peace with one another. Now, you'll know from family life that tiredness and stress can reveal our weaknesses. Some of you are experiencing that right now. And in a sense, the measure of our character, the measure of my character is not when everything is fine, but it's how we react under pressure. And it's our weak points that need strengthening the most. That's pretty obvious. Stress can cause us to be impatient with each other, even to verbally lash out at each other. Storms can reveal weaknesses in our relationships. But even seeing those weaknesses manifested, even as a local fellowship, is not a disaster as long as we have honesty, repentance and forgiveness. And as a church family, if we are rejoicing in the Lord, if we are striving for full restoration, maturity, if we are encouraging one another, if we're aiming for agreement on all that really matters, if we're working for the peace of the church family, we will overcome all challenges with God's strength and we will move to, towards a crescendo of experiencing a wonderful blessing amongst us. And that blessing is the last part of verse 11. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The God of love and peace will be with you so we're moving to a crescendo of love and peace you'll notice the musical imagery here don't forget to look out for the individual notes and count them up so we've been learning through this verse 11 of 2 corinthians 13 to start with a thankful attitude 
to remember and rejoice in the Lord, being grateful for what he has done for us and all that he will do for us. We work hard at growth and maturity. We, we strive for full restoration. We're a, a team family. And so we're in this together and we encourage each other. We support each other. And as we love and encourage each other to go on to maturity, we focus on what really matters. And so we grow in single-mindedness. We focus on the things that really, really matter. And that means that we're focused on Jesus, on all things to do with him and our mission for him. These are our top priorities. And in doing this, the issues that might divide us or distract us fall to the sidelines and a peaceful atmosphere develops. We enjoy a working peace, not a plate safe peace, but a, a working peace amongst each other. And we keep that peace. It's important to us. We cherish it. It's a very beautiful thing. Now, let me ask you what you make of this verse, Ephesians 4 and verses 1 to 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's a high, high challenge. But listen to this verse two: Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, a community, a church family living like this. Don't you think it's beautiful? Don't you think this is a wonderful thing? An absolutely fantastic, beautiful attitude and way of living now of course the peace that we need to strive for and work out is not a peace at any price it's not a peace at any price in the sense that awkward truths or necessary rebukes are not shared we need to challenge each other and even they are part of the beautiful choreography in the big picture because an honest answer an honest rebuke an honest challenge can actually bring out the best in each other Everything is done, even those hard conversations with a heart to keep a healthy peace and unity. And as we do this, we're heading somewhere absolutely wonderful. All that we've been looking at over the past few weeks is building up higher and higher. All these instructions are building up to a crescendo. And the God of love and peace will be with you. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, isn't God always with us? He's everywhere in the universe. Some of the answers of the, the children earlier on about descriptions of, of Jesus include the thought that God is our creator. He's, and he's everywhere, the Bible tells us. He created the universe. He's greater than the universe and he fills the universe. The Holy Spirit lives in us if we're a Christian. So how can we have a promise that God will be with us when he already is with us? The answer is that there are degrees of God's presence and there are different manifestations of God's presence. God is everywhere, but many, many people don't know him, do they? And don't in any way enjoy his presence, and some don't even seem to care. Now picture this, imagine this, you're sitting on a park bench, okay, you're a Christian, and you're sitting right next to an unbeliever, someone who's not a Christian. The Christian, you, you know God, and there's a, an awareness of God in your heart, not always a maximum, not always, not always constant, but you, there's an awareness of God. And, and at your best, you experience a felt joy and a sense of love for God and a love from God. But right next to you is a person who is totally unaware of God. And yet God is everywhere in the universe. But there's different experiences of his presence. Let's pick, have another picture. Let's imagine two Christians in a service. Wow, in a building. Wow, maybe one day in Fernwood again. And you're sitting in the same row, two Christians. One experiences a greater sense of God's presence than the other. Now, that could be different reasons. 
And we need to be careful not to judge others or to get paranoid about how we feel all the time. And it's a very important thing to note that feeling depressed or low is not a sign in itself that God is distant. We need to remember that. Our emotions are also damaged by sin, as well as our thinking, as well as our behavior. So we mustn't be over introspective in that sense. And we need to balance all this by remembering that God is with us because of grace. Jesus came in grace, Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us by grace, not because we, we can earn it. God will be faithfully with us even when we don't walk as closely with him as we should. And God is often so gracious, not treating us as our sins deserve. So fundamentally, God with us is not a feeling, but it's a promise when we believe in Jesus. Jesus, who died to save us, he, he promises to bring us forgiveness and reconciliation to, to God when, when we repent and believe, when we believe in him. And we can know that God is with us. God is with you, however you feel, whether you're on top of the world, whether circumstances are great or not. God is always and forever with you and it will only get better. And the experience of the presence of God will only get better. And certainly in heaven, it'll be absolutely unspoiled and perfect. But what about here and now? Well, our, there is a sense that our felt experience of God and our enjoyment of God is dependent, is dependent. Now, remember those two Christians in the church building sitting in the same row. Generally speaking, the Christian who is thankful, becoming mature, being an encouragement and accepting encouragement, being of one mind with fellow Christians, living in peace, that Christian will experience more of God than the Christian sat next to them who's holding a grudge and checking their emails during the preaching. God is always with us, but the sense of his presence and the manifestation of his presence is dependent. Now, the crescendo that we're looking forward to here and that, that the Apostle Paul writes and encourages these Christians at Corinth who have had their problems and still have, have major problems He's encouraging, encouraging them with this crescendo ahead. The heights, it's not a promise of God being with us in his faithful promise-keeping, overseeing, sovereign presence that is always there. God is always with us because of his omniscience and uh, omnipresence, rather. He's everywhere and he will always be faithful to his word. He always will. But what is being promised here is a dynamic experience of his presence. The sense, the reality of his presence. Now, if we collectively as a, as a fellowship follow these instructions that we've been looking at over these weeks, we will know that God is with us, as it says here. We will know that God is with us in more than a theoretical, I believe God is everywhere, therefore he's here sense. It, it will be far richer than that. David Peterson uh, writes this, God's special presence amongst his people is to be acknowledged, not by ritual or ceremony, but by the preservation of the integrity and vitality of the congregation. This takes place as the members do whatever they can to strengthen and maintain its life. So what we have here promised at the end of 2 Corinthians is that there will be a, a sense and, or a visitation of the Lord amongst us, something felt, something experienced, life-changing. Maybe not always exactly the same, not predictable in a me mechanistic way. If we sing this song, if we say that, if we pray this, then we will experience God in a certain way. No, it's not like that. God is sovereign. Not always exactly the same. Not predictable in a kind of slot machine mechanistic way. But when we meet together, there will be more of a sense of the presence of God. The God of love and peace 
with us. Now, I want to ask you an honest question. Do you want that? Do you want more of God's presence with you? Do you want that sense of God speaking to you, challenging you, encouraging you, comforting you through his word when we open our Bibles? Do we want that sense of, uh, uh, that sense of being loved by God and loving him? Do we want that increased desire to get to know him better and to, to live for him? It's not all about emotion. It's about actual practical action. I want to respond to this great God who so loved me. I want to live for him. I want to serve him. And it's, it's about a practical reaction to the presence of God teaching us, speaking to us. Do you want that? It might be a sense of the awe of God in our praising him as we sing our praise. It might be a sense of conviction and tears falling upon us. It can be equally a sense of that. It could be a, a conviction that leads us to repent together and grasp hold of, of Jesus trusting in his mercy afresh. It might be a renewed sense of purpose and mission. And we say, yes, here, here am I, send me. I want to serve God. I want to tell others about him. I want to be a missionary. I want to be an ambassador for Christ. But it, it should always be practical. It's not simply about feeling good. We can go to all sorts of concerts to feel good, all sorts of events to feel good. But it's always practical in that we are moved to change and to grow to be more like Jesus. But we will know that God is amongst us. And people who visit us will be able to sense that God is amongst us. Or if, even if they can't understand it, they will sense there's a difference. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 18, Jesus promises us this. And just before that, we see how Jesus is teaching how a healthy church functions. Its attitudes, its behavior, its forgiveness, its priorities, its unity in prayer. And then he says in verse 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. But, if, but that follows after a description of a healthy church in how it deals with issues and problems, how it prays together and so on. Matthew Henry, uh, a very old commentator, wrote this. He said, there are, there, they are hereby encouraged, that's the church, hereby encouraged with an assurance of the presence of Christ. There I am in the midst of them. By his common presence, he is in all places as God. But this is a promise of his special presence. Where his saints are, his sanctuary is. And there he will dwell. It is his rest. It is his walk. He's in the midst of them. To quicken and strengthen them. To refresh and comfort them. This is the equivalent to the Shekinah or special presence of God in the tabernacle and temple of old. Isn't that amazing? That now... When Christians meet together in love, in unity, around and in Christ, there is a promise of the presence of the Lord Jesus with us. That is the, if you like, the New Testament equivalent to the, the, the presence of God in the temple or the tabernacle in the Old Testament. God is everywhere. God is with us in his faithfulness. He will never be unfaithful to us. He's there with us according to his promises. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But we can experience God with us as we pull together. As the verse says, rejoice in the Lord. As we strive for full restoration. As we seek to encourage each other. As we aim for agreement and all that really matters. As we work for the peace of the church family. We sang the song earlier on, when I feel the touch of your hand upon my life. And that was a, a song in my, in my teenage years and really, really liked that song and um, uh, remember it from, from time back. When I feel the touch of your hand upon my life, it causes me to sing a song that I 
love you, Lord. Now, uh, when I was a, a teenager and a bit younger, um, I remember there were certain church movements that tried to, if you like, rediscover a sense of God's felt presence. But one of the downsides that uh, in some some of those groups was that they often neglected the Bible in search for experience. And so ultimately experience, feeling good, became became almost the God in a sense, in a way. But then, of course, over the years, other church movements tried to keep hold of Bible truth, but ended up overlooking, if you like, legitimate experience of God in, the, in their desire for, for solid and, and grounded teaching, which we must not forsake. Of course, there needs to be both. There needs to be the two. John Piper wrote in, the, uh, in something uh, that they used at Bethlehem Baptist Church there in Minnesota uh, under the title of Philosophy of Worship that Unites Us All. And it's a, a kind of a, a description of the, the, church, the church leadership's attitude to, to song worship, to, to worship together, not just singing, of course, but services, particularly Sunday services. And he writes this uh, under the subheading of God-centeredness. A high priority of the vertical focus of our Sunday service. The ultimate aim is so, to so experience God that he is glorified in our affections. He is glorified in our affections. And then he goes on to write, expecting the powerful presence of God. We do not just direct ourselves toward him. We earnestly seek his drawing near according to the promise of James 4 verse 8. We believe that in worship, God draws near to us in power and makes himself known and felt for our good and for the salvation of unbelievers in the midst. So there's a, a real seeking of God as we seek him uh, draw close to him we we seek his presence drawing close to us and of course worship the definition of worship is not simply song praise but of the whole, all that we do and ultimately all of our lives but there's this special promise of God's presence when Christians gather together with the attitudes that we've been and the direction and the aims that we've been looking at over these last few weeks so let's move on to the last heading the composer of love and peace will be with you and you'll notice there the, the emphasis about the word you there being plural, plural. It's to the congregation, to the collection of God's people here specifically. The composer of love and peace will be with you. People talk about not having to go to church to be a Christian. You've probably heard that before. And technically, from what they mean, that's, that's true. But if you are a Christian, you are part of the church because the church is not a building. So in another way, Realistically, what they're saying is not true. If you're a Christian, you're part of the family church. You're part of the church family. So once you're truly in, you're in. So you are the church. You're a part of, the, of that. And it's, it's in the context of being an active part of the church family that we will have the environment in which we can grow the most. We will have the soil, if, if you like, in which we can learn the most. The atmosphere, the environment in which we can develop to our potential as Christians even if it means we have some bumps and bruises where we all get it wrong and we we're walking around the hall and we we bump into each other we we, we fail and we, we hurt each other it's the church family and this point is particularly poignant and painful because of our virus restrictions at the moment because it's really hard to actually have real life interaction with each other face to face and share lives together we're having to do it in small groups and bubbles in homes and, and and so on and online so we need to if you like keep the the fan on the flame of fellowshipping as much as possible during this time so it's very important to do that and it's good that you're here this morning 
Because you see, it's not in isolation that we have the best chance to know God. But in the church family context, that's where we can grow and learn best together. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Remember, the Apostle Paul here is writing to the church, not just to an individual. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that, that, that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And notice the, the understanding the full riches, having the complete understanding is dependent upon being united in love, heart and united in love earlier on there in the verse. Now, it's not to say that we neglect our personal and private prayer and Bible study. The Lord Jesus himself gives us the prime example of getting alone to talk to his heavenly father, spending whole nights in prayer even. God does make his presence known in very powerful and precious ways when we take time to, to read the Bible alone. And, and the same principles apply. Same principles apply of um, being rejoicing, aiming for maturity, encouraging others, being of one mind in all that, that really matters, working for peaceful relationships. And if our hearts are in these, then we will experience more of our, of our God in our personal and private lives. And if anything, if you really think about it, our personal devotions should be the larger part, if you like, like the majority of the iceberg, which is below the surface. You know, if we, if we hardly read the Bible or pray, but turn up to church service and we, we do all our praying and reading and praising for the week, then we, we might look very spiritual, but it's not healthy, is it? It's not good. But there is a special promise, as we've seen, of the Lord's presence whenever we meet and a potential for deep and profound experience and life changing experience from the God of love and peace. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says about speaking the truth in love to one another. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's a collective thing. It's a relationship thing. It's a family thing. It's in learning how to love and to serve each other and it's in interacting in fellowshipping with each other that we learn to grow in the maximum in practical holiness and in our relationship with God. It's in caring and in loving and forgiving each other and learning with and from each other that we grow to maximum maturity and unity. And this makes us ready to experience even more of the God of love and peace amongst us. So then we need to strive for full restoration. We need to rejoice, of course, before that. Encourage one another. We need to be of one mind, live in peace. And we have the promise and the God of love and peace will be with you. So to sum up, we've seen the beautiful choreography of living in peace with one another. We see there's a crescendo of love and peace because we can experience the God of love and peace amongst us more and more as we continue this beautiful choreography. And we have the promise of the composer of love and peace will be with you in this special way. Do we want that? I'm sure we do. Let's pray for it. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to rejoice in you always. Help us, Lord, to strive for maturity. Help us to encourage one another. 
Help us to be of one mind and of all that really matters. Help us to live in peace. And we have this wonderful crescendo. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Lord, we seek this. We seek you. We seek more of you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.